Hi, and welcome. This is The Women Who Bring to Life What's Next, a podcast series by Capgemini Invent. In this series, we explore how some of the world's most successful women leaders transform their businesses, connect humans and technology, and make a difference in the world. My name is Courtney Pace. I'm the head of strategy and head of private equity for Frog, a Capgemini Invent company. Today, I'm joined by Olivia Howard, who is a partner at Bain Capital, one of the world's most renowned investment firms where she specializes in private equity. Olivia, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me. I'm particularly excited for this, given how much we've worked together over the years. You've had an absolutely incredible career. But for those who may not be familiar, tell us what private equity is and a little bit about your role. There are lots of different kinds of private equity, but the core of the kind that we do is to analyze markets and businesses, try to find ones where we think there's an opportunity to really inflect their growth, to make them grow faster, become more profitable, more valuable than they are today. And then usually we buy a majority stake in that company and partner with the management team or the founder of the business to work with them to actually make that happen in real life. So it's not just the part of investing that's about identifying the opportunity or making a bet, but it's really about doing the work with the management team to drive growth in the business and capture that opportunity. And actually next week, Courtney, I'm getting to do something really amazing for a business that you know well. I'm going to visit an amazing plant, of one of our investments, that makes foam. It makes the foam that goes into mattresses and toppers and pillows and other applications. And this plan act not only makes the foam, but they actually make finished goods, including the mattress that I sleep on at home. And there's nothing more fun and interesting than visiting a large plant. It's such a complex operation. And you're always trying to work to make it higher quality from a service perspective, safe, more efficient. The team is really high performing, very innovative in the work that they're doing. And so I'm really excited to spend time with them and see the products, see all the improvements they're making. So that's what I'm getting to do. My favorite thing. Amazing. Fun fact about foam that I didn't know before we worked together on it is when you pour it, it rises like a loaf of bread. A very, very large <laughs> loaf of bread. It can be as long as 40 feet long. 50 feet long, four or five feet high. It's an amazing thing to watch. So having worked with you and with Bain over the years, I know that you think about investing and running companies in a unique way. Tell us a little bit about how Bain approaches the space differently. Bain Capital was founded in the mid-80s by a set of folks from Bain and & Company. And their idea was, look, we know how to drive operational change and growth in companies why don't we take that and apply it to companies that we own instead of just companies that we are serving as consultants? So that kind of strategic operational foundation was the genesis of the idea of Bain Capital. I think the fund first or second fund was in $35 million or something like that, which was very large at the time. Now we have $24 billion that we're investing globally in private equity across Asia and Europe and North America. So we're much bigger, but in many ways, we are absolutely core to that original strategy, which as opposed to financial engineering or other core parts of private equity, those are really important. We've got to have capital structures that are flexible, but it's not 
really what makes us different. And now bank capital is a lot more than private equity. It has venture business. It has amazing credit business. It has a mid-market tech business. It has many, many businesses. But in private equity, we're really using that consultant-based strategic analytic skill set to try to find opportunities to inflect growth and really bring a team that can partner with management teams to help to execute that. When you look back on your career, what were the pivotal moments that brought you to where you are today? Oh, gosh, there's a lot of luck in terms of the choices that you make and the people that you get to work with, probably first and foremost. So I got really lucky when I graduated high school. The summer before college, I became an intern, a secretary to two incredible leaders of the Williamstown Theater Festival. It's a regional summer theater. And the amazing thing that I absolutely did not do strategically, and I had no idea what I was walking into, is that because the Williamstown Theater Festival only exists in its full form in the summer, from May to September, it was an organization where I could have a real job. No one replaced me when I went to school in the fall. All of the responsibilities I had were real responsibilities that if I didn't do them, they weren't going to get done. So it gave me the opportunity to work really hard, first and foremost, and just learn what it was to work really hard. And then also to take on responsibilities as a young person that helped me build skills, whether it was as a, you know, I was basically the waitress for the VIP lounge at the theater every night to managing fundraising events, to supporting my bosses in any way they needed. And you know, look, theater people are the best. I love theater people, but they can be passionate, Courtney, and tempestuous at times. And so I definitely learned skills about dealing with challenging personalities. I worked there for four years. I really got addicted to what it felt like to be in an organization that was working hard to achieve incredible things. That's what it gave me. And it's literally the most fun feeling <laughs> in the world. So I've chased that feeling. And it's interesting because a lot of folks come to talk to me about what jobs they should take in the summers and their business school or they're in a high-powered undergraduate program. And there are these gold star internships that people are vying for. I never have been in any of those internships. I'm sure they have tons of benefits and really great experiences in lots of ways. But I think there's also something to be said for taking on, quote unquote, a real job where you can continue to do it and grow with it. Because that's, in my experience, where you build the skill and having enough context to be able to fill a role as opposed to be given a project, mm -hmm. you know, for eight weeks, which is just such a short period of time. I'd love for people to open the aperture a little bit about how they think about what would be an appropriate and really valuable summer job to have as a young person if you're interested in business. It ended up being the perfect training ground for Bain Capital with a very close relationship between action and impact or action and outcome, which such a huge part of what you do today. <laughs> no, that's what I said. I moved recently and I was going through some old papers and I found my cover letter <laughs> that I had written for my application to McKinsey and Company, which was the job I ended up so very luckily getting coming out of undergraduate. And I made that case, Courtney. I'm not sure anyone else agreed <laughs> with your assessment then or now, but McKinsey, I loved the experience of being in a high-performing organization 
I really cared about being an independent person who could support myself. And I just didn't know how to do that. You know, I felt like the knowledge that I had about what kind of jobs there were and what they meant and what kind of skills we needed for them, I felt like I was flying blind. In some ways, as I have conversations with young people now, I still feel like information about what careers mean and choices and trade-offs across different kinds of entry jobs are still pretty poor in the landscape. You sort of have to figure it out on your own. And so I didn't figure it out. I just happened to apply to a few jobs. Some of them wouldn't even interview me. Some of them did. And I managed to, by hook or by crook, this job as a business analyst at McKinsey and Company at that time. The variety of different kinds of companies I got to work in and different kinds of projects, Salesforce strategy and operations, just a huge, broad range of topics. It was an amazing education. As a creatively inclined person, what inspired you to? step into business? I just really wanted to be able to be my own person and to support myself. Like fundamentally, that's the core genesis of like, business sounds like a good idea because it seems like if you can work in business that you can support yourself, make your own choices, and maybe also eventually have a platform to do other things. And I definitely had some awareness of the concept of if you were the head of a company, that you had a really big impact on all the employees in that company. If you're a jerk, you have a big impact. If you make bad choices, that also has huge negative impacts for investments you can't make, for people who don't have the opportunities they otherwise would. And if you're great and build a great culture, I understood that was a role where you had influence mm -hmm. and impact over lots of people. That was also really appealing. and. I've always loved lots of different kinds of creative things. I love being around creative people, but it doesn't have to be your profession to be part of your life. I actually think curiosity in general is such an important part of being an amazing business person. You can use the muscle of curiosity in lots of different ways, in politics, in policy, in art, in dance. It doesn't have to be just myopically in business. This is one thing you and I have talked about, this question of like, is it weird to be a creative person in business? Do you feel like you come across people who still don't want to share what they're doing in terms of their interests outside of the office? I think so. Frog is a little bit of a unique place where the value prop is around bringing together the analytical and the creative. But with a lot of our clients, I still see people who think that there's work life and there's personal life and there's a very clear delineation between the two. The evolution, of course, is more towards bringing your whole self to work and recognizing that we're multidimensional and that actually makes our work lives better. But it depends. I think some people are maybe farther along the journey than others. <laughs> I find that a lot of my time is spent in all over the country with industrial teams, right? I work with management teams in the manufacturing and distribution space, primarily in North America. And you can imagine that some of my interests outside of work are not the same as theirs. We may not look exactly the same and be exactly the same. Sometimes young people who I work with are surprised by the extent to which I am very much myself. In the end, I'm trying to be a good team member for everyone that I'm working with. There are tons of hard decisions to make every day. Sometimes we make the right decisions, sometimes we don't. Failing fast is really important. 
And so for me to be able to support our management teams in the right way, they have to be willing to share with me and be open and be vulnerable. I have found in my experience that if I'm that way, they're going to want to be that way, even if the way I'm expressing myself is different. And I love seeing all of our team members within Bank Capital. We have a culture that is very much based on inclusion, and we want to be in an environment where everyone's really showing up as themselves. Of course, we've got a lot of work to do, as everyone does, but I think we're making a lot of progress on that. I've seen it in action, just you interacting with CEOs and members of the management team. And I think your authenticity shines through and it's enabled you to build trust very quickly in spaces that might be otherwise more difficult. You said something a while back, which really stuck with me around um, businesses almost being like countries and mm. the ability to shape culture and policy and, and move us as a society forwards. As you're thinking about the PE space more broadly, how are you thinking about influencing the industry and uh, potentially even leveraging technology in some new ways as you're looking to drive forward? It's a really good question. I mean, the thing I, I think would be most high impact for the world in which I live, I would love to see more of a funnel of amazing young talent into these businesses. If you look in the modern hip diaspora, there's a ton of focus in the past 10 years on entrepreneurialism, which is awesome. So many ways, what makes the United States an amazing country. And I love seeing so many people, particularly people of color and women and LBGQ, finding their own voice and leadership through founding their own companies, their own ventures. But at the same time, being a founder of a business and scaling it from a small size is really challenging. There just is a ratio reality that a lot of those businesses don't succeed and become large and sustaining. I would love to see some more of that energy that has been so focused on becoming entrepreneurs funneled into the larger businesses. Because there are tons of companies that have incredible roles and development programs and career path opportunities for young people that can lead to you being the leader of some of the largest organizations in the world, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of employees who you are responsible for leading, not to mention the personal wealth creation that comes from that for you and your family. I think about businesses like Danaher or Honeywell or ABC Supply or businesses that are owned by private equity that are in fast growth mode like Imperial Dade or USLBM. They just have so many opportunities for young people. And do you listen to Scott Galloway? Mm -hmm. He's lots of amazing podcasts that people should look up if they don't know him. But he has a great chart that talks about the reverse correlation between jobs that sound cool to your friends and jobs where you can make a lot of money and have a fulfilling career. And I do think there's truth in that because I think there's this idea that if a business sounds cool, it's going to be fun. But actually, in my experience, what makes for fun businesses is, first of all, the people, of course, the people, but also that the business is a good business, that it's a successful business that's growing. And I've worked in industries where if you'd asked me at 20, are you going to enjoy working in healthcare, which I did in my first years at McKinsey, or are you going to enjoy working in huge distribution businesses? I wouldn't even known what you were talking about and it would have sounded awful. And it is definitely true that the work I get to do 
in these large industrial businesses is incredibly fun. Mm. And I wish that that was more visible, that in our popular culture, we were able to create that awareness because if we had all of that talent that's focused on some of these other areas in big businesses, the diversity and the quality of the talent would exponentially grow, lead to the business's success, and also continue to move our country forward in terms of where we want to be overall. You get to work with incredible talent at home and at work. How do you think about sponsoring and mentoring others? That's a great question. Sponsorship and mentorship is a really important part of the Bain Capital culture. If you think about other private equity firms, there are probably names of folks who have founded and led those firms that really feel like the firm is theirs, that there's a real founder-driven culture where there are other people there, but it is very much focused on that one leader. And one of the things that makes Bain Capital so unique is it's a real partnership. We have a track record of apprenticeship and development throughout our whole history where we are bringing people up and giving them experiences, and then they are taking on leadership roles and growing the firm. That's one of the things that makes it an incredible place to work. The role of mentorship and sponsorship is core for all of us, not just the most senior leaders of the firm, but really everyone on the whole team. And I think it's very unique to the person, to the individual that you're trying to sponsor, what's most important to them at that phase of their career, at that phase of their development. But just like we were talking about how important it is to be yourself in order to connect with executives, build that trust to be able to move fast and drive change. I definitely think that's also really true for sponsorship, where it's important for you to show up ears open and ready to both role model the vulnerability and to listen. The other important part that can be challenging is that there is a role for real directness. And to be direct, I think, is best in terms of helping folks think about where they need to develop. You have to build up that equity first, right? You have to have that trust and that relationship first so that you've earned the foundation that allows you to say, here are all the things you really got to step up or here are the things that I think you could do better. I do have a direct style, Courtney, that your experience of working with me. No comment. That I could be a little direct, but Hopefully, and I'm sure I fail at this a lot, but hopefully if someone knows my intention can be a super accelerator. And one of the issues, particularly with folks who are from different backgrounds and from whatever the dominant culture is in a particular business, that often if you're in other, that you don't get that direct feedback. You get maybe the positive affirmation, but you don't get the extent of the coaching that others do. That's one thing I'm really focused on is making sure I'm giving that coaching both the supportive part and the developmental part, because that's what we all need. Mm-hmm. No, you ask questions and you debate from a place of curiosity and a place of genuine care. And I think that comes through. The care is the most important thing. It's the thing that then allows people to listen to, right? They know what your intention is. Mm-hmm. Olivia, thank you so much for spending the time with us today and for inspiring us to believe in our differentness and to be our full selves wherever we may be. Thank you so much for having me. It's wonderful to talk to you and just really appreciate all of your partnership over the years and look forward to more to come. Thanks so much. 